Welcome back to the Teaching in Tech podcast for season two with Alan and Chad, where we continue to explore everything related to teaching, learning, and technology integration. Working with teachers, we see amazing things happening in classrooms every day. In each episode, we'll detail teaching strategies and technology integration ideas that are working. Also, special guests will join us to share strategies that have been successful with students. All right, well, welcome back for another episode of Teaching in Tech with Alan and Chad. And for this episode, I'm actually on location from the Ohio Educational Technology uh, Conference, which is happening this week in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, there are dozens of sessions being offered over the next three days. And uh, in this podcast, uh, we're going to today focus just on some ideas from a few of the sessions that look to be engaging. I'm really looking forward uh, to getting into these. Alan, sorry you're stuck at school this week. Yeah, I'll hold it down here. You uh, have fun on vacation down there. <laughs> so one, as we were looking at the schedule uh, for this conference here in 2024, and there'll be there'll be educators from all over the state who will be gathering here in Columbus this week. Uh, there are some there are some really, uh, as you can imagine, a lot of AI sessions, which you would expect, you know, for what's really been hot recently. But there are some some other sessions on here that really stood out to me as things that I think have a lot of value, uh, not only for our teachers, uh, but also for our students. And uh, the first one I think we should get into, um, there is a session called Career Education Through Social Media. And when I first saw the name of that, and I started thinking just kind of, you know, a generic type of thing where students are involved making social media posts and stuff. Uh, but as we looked at the way that this session is going to be set up, it's really a lot more than that. Yeah, you know, my initial concern is obviously social media has, we can list out a thousand negatives, but it sounds like from the preview of this, uh, this session here, Chad, that you're looking into, uh, they're really trying to find the positives of drawing people in with video, trying to use short clip reels, um, and then trying to, uh, based on clicks and algorithms, feed information and content to students. Yeah, I, I mean, you think about our students and the way that they consume information and whether it's reels or whether it's TikToks, I mean, students really do learn most of what they, they see now through short video clips. And so um, really, I think it's, it's, to me, a fascinating concept to try to have, and really the base that this, all of this session is, is around a, a an initiative called Jobs Explained. So the whole purpose behind this through through public, actually uh, there's 10 public television stations that have worked on curating and putting this content together. Uh, but what they're actually going to do is put together a, for a variety of, of high demand and uh, civic-minded careers, they're gonna be putting together a lot of informational, engaging yet informational videos in the form of whether it's a reel or a TikTok, um, just to kind of give students like a, a sense and a taste of what that job's all about. You know, I, I think about just students and what they watch nowadays, that the quick how-to videos, the the short um, clips on, I mean, I've seen it on YouTube, like you said. Um, oh, ha like even the your, hacks? Like yeah, all the just all those, you know, this is, I think, brilliant. When we talk about leveraging what is like hot or in right now, and now making it anything that can be instructional based. I mean, this is this is exposure to its finest. It, it's now taking away somebody saying, oh, this is what a, this career does. You know, you could be interested in it. It's showing, 
right? It's right in your face. They get to they get to see it, click on it, and then rewatch. Well, and I'm sure that the people uh, in these career fields who are going to uh, participate, you know, as the as the media uh, companies put together these videos, um, they're going to be able to highlight some of the things, what they're proud of and some of the, the things that drew them into these careers. And hopefully, you know, in, in doing that, get students interested in it as well. And and here's the other thing. I, I at first when when I saw the the description for this, as far as you know, getting kids connected with these short videos in a in a format that they're comfortable with, in a format that they're drawn to, I thought, okay, that's really interesting. But then at the same time, that's really only half of it because then the other side of what social media brings to this, you think about all the negatives that we sometimes focus on with social media, you know, there's a really a flip side to it. There's a lot of positives too. So in this case, if a student's been watching several of these videos and think about the way algorithms work, so they watch one video and engage with it for a period of time on a certain career, you know, if that algorithm's doing its job, they're going to see two, three, and four more of them. Continue to feed it. Right. And so then now that you've got a student who's got that engagement time built in, that allows people who are connected in that career field uh, to have an opportunity to interact with those students. So you think about that from like a job recruitment standpoint, this is really an interesting way for maybe some of these understaffed um, career fields to actually find talent and go out and find kids who have the skills and the interest in the, in the things that they offer. So in that standpoint, I think it's, it's really brilliant because, you know, we're trying to get kids connected with, you know, real world experiences. And this is, you know, completely real world. And this is the initial step to me. Like this is step one. When you talk about this, it's now beyond just what a teacher can say or do in the class. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's it's almost uh, like you said, it's building a, a virtual connection. Yeah. Which is essentially what, you know, we want to, we want to network out. We want to build our, our connections with others to then, you know, feed off of those in order to find something that works for us. This is, I mean, this, this is almost, this is a healthy way to do it. Right. Right. Well, think about, so uh, the one thing at, at Canton city schools, you know, I think we really are, are fortunate. Our CTE, our career tech program is really amazing. Outstanding. I mean, we've got some great professionals down there, some great teachers. Uh, you know, you think about with our broadcast media, our engine, you know, last season when Chad Weaver came on our engineering program down there um culinary we've got some great stuff for the kids the building trades and so now those teachers not only are they giving them some some work experience but think about this as like an extension if you could utilize a tool like this where they could meet some real professionals and interact with them on social media um as you said like in a healthy and a positive way that what a great supplement to your program and i think this is you know to even add on to it like our career tech programs connect with local business right and obviously we want to draw more people directly to the community but that's limited that's limited in what we can offer just as far as time and connection this is now spreading i mean think about how wide social media spreads Mm -hmm. that's that's all over that's everywhere you know and it just yeah i'm just talking about layering those opportunities for kids this is just in addition to and it doesn't seem like it's something that takes that it's not an extra leg that a teacher has to use it's not no it's really it's going to be a natural fit for the students the comfort level and to be able to to like introduce it and then bridge it absolutely and and other classes right like we talk about our crew tech program being you know phenomenal 
and mm -hmm. this would be a great addition or supplement mm -hmm. but any course could use this any oh, yeah. yeah you know yeah think about like the the science courses you know if there's going to be if there's going to be some careers on here and professionals that are in uh, whether it's a marine biologist or somebody who's working in in uh you know uh, let's even say an engineer who has to do environmental impact reports there's a lot of different directions this could go and it would be really cool to get the kids connected you know i think about from a teaching standpoint think about how much work goes into trying to set up a guest speaker this is almost like bringing in a guest speaker in small digestible clips uh, and individualized individualized yeah in a seamless way so that to me that's really cool and then think about what else you know one of the other things i think that we should be really proud of at mckinley the career spotlight you know um lori sexton uh and, and alicia meitzel that put that on um man what about that type of setting where the kids actually get to meet a professional face to face and then you know based from their on community that, from their yeah. community and then based on that interaction you know if they were able to continue that conversation through this type of platform that could be a really powerful tool for like guiding and directing a kid um you know along the along the way in their career their path toward a career so i'm really looking forward to this uh looking forward to this session tomorrow and uh, hoping that i can gather some things that you know we can maybe uh, add to some of the good things that we're already doing in the building and, and in the district and maybe even take that a step further yeah, absolutely. Love the idea and looking forward to hearing more when you come back. So another thing that uh, that I think we should um, talk about a little bit as well, uh, there's going to be a, and you know, every year there's going to be some form of sessions relating to the, the, the topic involved here, student engagement, and also the idea of universal design. And I know for me, when I was in the classroom, universal design or differentiation, how you, however you want to, you know, phrase that was always a little bit overwhelming just because the idea of a whole class of kids and then being able to personalize that and make it a good organized experience for everybody. There was always a little bit of concern with that, but you know, especially from the, the technology side of things, what kind of tools are out there and what kind of things are available that can help this more manageable for teachers. And in the end, make it a better situation and a better setup for students. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when you hear student engagement, right? We think it has to be fun. Student mm -hmm. engagement just means that you're drawing them in, yep. right? It's something and they're, that and they're is on relevant path to them. Connected. They're yes. working on what you designed for them to work on. Yep. That's, that's engagement. You're right. It doesn't have to be like a, a game. It's not always a game. Yep. Right. Yep. And UDL, you know, when you said every, for some reason that becomes a buzzword and then we become intimidated. Like at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to quote, you know, uh, the, uh, Dr. Lynn Rudd, she always says, uh, good teaching is good teaching is good teaching. And and at the end of the day, right, when you're when you're designing a comprehensive lesson that can draw all kids in and they can all gain and access the information, they can all take and and utilize something beyond that, right? That's just that's good teaching. Yep. And so, you know, utilizing tech in this case and AI, um, you know, you kind of want to talk about choice boards being that option right now, right? That would be It'd be an awesome piece to bring in any classroom. Well, you know, kind of going back to what I was mentioning with the idea of student engagement and, and UDL, the same type of intimidation from, from UDL to me sometimes would extend to those choice boards because two things about those choice boards. One, I have to come up with, depending on how big my grid is, maybe 12 different activities. That's can be a little bit overwhelming at times. And then two, I also have to try to to make now there's you can make a choice board and then you can make a really good 
um, choice board that really targets your standards. Because I know one thing from working with middle school kids, if I gave them a choice board, their first choice is going to be what's the fastest thing I can get done on here. Easiest. Yeah. How quick can I get this one done? So trying to get a choice board with really good engaging activity. And again, this comes down to not necessarily fun, not necessarily a game, but how can I get some activities that students are going to, you know, really get drawn in and start thinking about the content, thinking about the learning target, where I'm trying to direct them. So, um, you know, one of our Tech You Can Try episodes that had uh, just uh, recently had the Magic School. You know, we have a lot of AI tools out there, but here's what I really liked about Magic School. There's about 60 different things that you can um, that you can use on the platform, but one of them is designed toward uh, creating choice boards. And so I think it's just great in terms of being able to put in your topic, put in your standard, and then have the generative AI go through and develop a choice board. And you can even, you know, the more specific you are with a, a generative AI tool, the closer it's going to get to the target of what you're looking for. So in this, in this case, if I said, all right, my, I'm right now working on uh, mitosis and meiosis in a bi biology class. I want the students to have a choice board. I paste my standard in. I want it to have 12 activities, integrate technology, give me some writing opportunities in there. And, the AI is pretty good at that type of tool, being able to generate something with different ideas relatively quickly. You know, I, I'm hearing this and I'm one, amazed, and two, exceptionally irritated that this has just come out. You know, when you talk about choice boards, I, I think all the different iterations that I had implemented, uh, being the first, uh, I had an intervention specialist, Kevin Princehorn, where we would design it, right, per standard, her thing coming up, trying to build kids up to that level of mastery. We would do six levels in three activities for each level. So however a kid performed on the uh, pre-assessment or post-assessment, they would get assigned a category. They would then pick one of the three, yeah. right? And uh, it, I mean, it was, it was ours. If I didn't have him helping and, and it was paper and all that, and then, when you lose that person, right, you kind of change and adapt. But either way, long story short, it was time. Yeah. Right? It was mass huge, amounts of time, time to develop all of that. Yep. And and at the end of the day, right, it's still it's still creating some type of activity that's just work for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. But like this, you're talking about an, you know, an AI program that it does this, it does this work. And then you can specify, well, you know, uh, what types of categories or how many that you want to offer, correct? Yeah. And then from there, it spits it out. And then you kind of, uh, you build and customize it a little bit more to meet your needs. When you're working with generative AI, I mean, really what, in my limited experience over the past, you know, nine to 10 months with it, what what I'm finding is that the skill involved with using using the the generative AI is the way that you interact with it. The more specific you get, the be think of it almost this way. Here's here's a simple, I guess, a simple comparison. The better you are at um, putting in a search when you're on your web browser, the better results you're going to get. It's kind of the same way. There's a certain skill level to getting the right wording to get it to give some output similar to what you were thinking or what you were looking for. Um, right. The other thing about it too is that 
remember when when it generates that choice board really what it's doing is it's giving you a starting point like a kind of a place to jump off and start from so instead of all that time that you and mr princehorn you know spent you know kind of burning the midnight oil thinking of all those different activities this is going to give you a, a kind of a jump start to get ahead of all that and one of the things in magic school one of the things that they're um when you go through some of their materials for teachers, what they recommend, and this is kind of interesting, this is one of the, the newer things that I've heard, they call it the 80-20 rule of AI. And basically what that's talking about is let the AI do the first 80% of the work, but then you as the teacher come in and maybe change the activities that you didn't like or maybe customize them a little bit, make them a little bit more detailed than what the AI, you know, a lot of times what the generative AI will produce is going to be kind of general. So you can maybe get it a little bit more specific. And then by doing that, now you've got, you've saved quite a bit of time, but you've also got an activity that's going to be beneficial to use with, with students and hopefully in the end, get them closer to those learning targets. And and I, when you talk about the 80, 20, I think it's easy to deter people because they're like, well, if I'm going to have to do it anyway, right, I may as well just design and, and move from there. Or I've already got something built that I'll just run with anyway, because I already know, like, to me, try it, right? Even yeah. if you pull it yeah. out and you have the general activities, try the general activities and then decide how you'll customize from there. So maybe skip the 20 the first time around and say, let's just toss it in and see how it works. Yeah. I, if, I don't know. Maybe I got a different way of thinking, but I rarely could I use an assignment year after year after year without in some way, you know, changing it, improving it, adjusting it, you know, trying to just like, uh, you know, bring it along just like you want the students to get better. I wanted to make it better each year. And then usually what would happen, you know, I had the the luxury in, when I was in Fremont of teaching seventh grade science for 15 straight years. And uh, very few people that I've come across in Canton have that luxury of te teaching the same content for so long. That's fair. Yeah. But really the thing about that is, Gosh, I had to I had to kind of, you know, rebrand and revamp the stuff I was doing every so often, not for the students. It wasn't like any of the students saw the content more than once. But after I went through something four or five times and had reiterated and improved it, it got to the point where just for my own sake, I had to come up with something maybe a little bit new or different um, just just so I could keep myself fresh and engaged in the way I was teaching it. I feel the same, you know, but I've also been told if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So, you know, some just feel comfortable with they've got it established and they know, hey, it works. It gets us where we want to go. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm the same as you. Right. If I got to keep teaching it or I'm going to keep going over the same stuff, I get bored. And then kids know that I'm bored. Yeah. Right. Let's spice it up. Let's toss some new ideas in there. Let's let's shake it up. And, and I think this is a great, easy way to try that. Anybody who's taught anybody who's taught middle school and been on a team <laughs> where you have where you have a situation where you, let's say you're the seventh grade science teacher and you have six sections of that in the day anybody who's done that not to complain because it's one prep so that's good stuff on the on the planning end but that fifth and sixth run you get you start to get so sick of hearing your own voice because you're repeating you know that that second and third time through is the sweet spot where you got it fine-tuned and you're really giving your best best delivery but that yep. fifth and sixth time oh oh my goodness it's like right. a parabola negative parabola mm -hmm. there chad you're going up you're working up that third lessons like rock solid and then it's just it's all downhill from there <laughs> so we have one more uh session that was that was mentioned uh coming up this over the next few days here at the conference uh and that was using technology tools 
uh, for struggling writers. And so, uh, you know, naturally that looking at the description and talking about some of the technology that was going to be used there, one of the things that that made me think of again was the way that generative AI can be used um, in this setting. So uh, Class Companion was a tool that we talked about a little bit with Tech You Can Try. And so thinking about this, this concept, so anytime you're in, trying to integrate technology in a class in, into your teaching, really there's going to be two reasons you're going to integrate it. One is just for student interest, could be one reason. But two is going to be that in some way it has to do better than traditional teaching methods, right? So I, if I'm going to use technology, it's going to have to improve. If I'm showing kids how to do two-step equations and I can do it more quickly on the, on the whiteboard than I can on my iPad, I probably should use the whiteboard, right, if I can do it more effectively. Right. But here's the thing with writing. So coming from some, and I am not an expert English teacher. I taught two years of seventh grade English. Uh, God helped the kids that I taught uh, in my first few years as I was doing that. But here's the thing about it. One of the things I found to be nearly impossible is when we would have a writing workshop, many of the kids needed feedback all at the same time. And I could only do that for one person at a time. So uh, think about this. Like here, here's a, and here's an, kind of an analogy to make, put this into perspective. Imagine if I'm a basketball coach and I told the kids to go home, shoot some free throws. Uh, I'm going to, a couple of days later, look at a video of it, give them some feedback, and then I'm going to ask them to go back and shoot some more and get better a couple, a couple of days later. The feedback loop would be broken there. That'd be like the worst coaching ever. Like you could <laughs> give them that feedback as they're working on the skill. And right. So here's the thing. There's no way that you can have 20 some teachers to match up one to one instruction with all the kids. But that's where the generative AI and chatbots come in. So playing around a little bit with this idea of class companion, you get a setting where as the students write, they're being given feedback as they write. And to me, that's a really powerful tool. And, and we talk, I mean, some of the best growth comes, I mean, studies show from immediate feedback. I mean, that that is a piece of effective teaching. And like you said, right, just we've got great teachers, but there's no way you're getting around to 24 to 30 kids in a classroom all for one-on-one -on -one right now, especially when you talk about writing, yep. and especially when we talk about essay writing. Yep. Yeah, so think about this. If I'm the teacher, really what I, I envision using this type of tool for, this is not going to in any way replace me reading the student's work and giving them my own feedback on top of that. That's not what this would be about. But what think about it this way. If I'm, I go back to another sports comparison. If I'm the head coach, this is like giving me a bunch of assistant coaches who are branching out working with these kids so that they're getting skill work simultaneously and getting that feedback feedback that they need right away. I was really impressed with when I used class companion, what I did is I gave, so I wanted to try it on an essay and I wanted to see like, okay, how good is this really with this language model? I gave it this uh, simple prompt that you might find in a high school English class. Are professional athletes overpaid, right? That's really simple. Now you're just going to try to persuade one way or another took a rubric and inputted a rubric in there on a four point scale with all this stuff you would expect in a high school essay, as far as like structure, uh, clarity, word choice, sentence, you know, a polish, all that type of stuff. Um, so I really took like an, an uh, rubric right off the web and put it in there. I'm like, you know what? I'm a pretty good writer. I'm going to bust this thing out. I'm going to get myself a, a 15 out of 15. No problem. I took, I think maybe 10 minutes, wrote me a little five paragraph essay, 
very clear thesis statement, three developing paragraphs, put a conclusion in there, let it let it check it out, 10 out of 15. <laughs> now, to me, that was actually a positive. Here's why. Yeah. It it was able to pretty um it picked up on pretty well that I had a good start, but I didn't spend any time on word choice. I didn't have like well-developed paragraphs where the sentences had the the flow necessarily of a of like a polished piece of work that had been reiterated several times. So, you know, and it was each paragraph giving me feedback on ways I could improve it. So that's exactly what we're trying to do is get the kids to think about writing more as a process and not as a task. And now you've got a way for a, an AI tool to do that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, when you, when you start talk, talking about one AI, but then when you start looking at how in-depth it looks, you know, too often um, I think of like Criterion, mm -hmm. right? That, that's been around since early 2000s. We've oh, used yeah. it. I think it's been a great resource. Uh, especially I used to like to play Pac-Man on the Atari. <laughs> right. Not I mean, it doesn't game. mean it was bad. It's just, you know, things get things improve. I used to like to play Madden on the old PlayStation when the players were all made of triangles and prisms, too. Right. All the blocks with colors. I mean, right. no, but nobody does that anymore. And and I look and while those were good, those are great resources. Even Criterion, it's still used. When you talk about just in general, aside from the test prep piece, what is the, like the writing process, the design process, and the improvement process. I mean, this is something that the immediate feedback, the building stamina, the revision process, the, the focus on content and not necessarily just the the uh, grammatical and the, the rules of writing. And the how structure, yeah, the, the structure, structure of writing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you know, it, I mean, there's so many benefits to just this whole process. And it can all be done throughout class period where mm -hmm. a teacher, you know, what if they want to do this and do it well for this, right? Think about how, how much time that takes. Well, the feedback, the, the biggest thing is even the, the time, the feedback loop is so long yes. that the effective, effectiveness is lost. So even if the teacher has the greatest intentions and they take home their big crate of, of you know, notebooks like back in the day and just grade their heart out all weekend, the, the feedback loops too long. What does the kid do when they get it back? Where's the grade? What I get on this? How'd I do? And honestly, it shortens the actual process because to me, teachers, I wouldn't want to grade it more than once. Right. I mean, really, no, I, I right. also didn't teach English for that reason. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they do. They You talk to them. It's like this is mass amounts of time and they want to do it right. They want to make sure the kids have appropriate feedback. This right. is a great way to do it. And then by the end of the day, turn it in. I'll now give you feedback for yeah. maybe one more submission, Yep. right? Yep. It, it just shortens that cycle so much more. Yep. The kids get like the targeted feedback on that smaller stuff leading up to the teacher giving the feedback, like you said, when you get to close to the end, but not quite. And I think the biggest thing is that if you, as a teacher, you can start to get the kids like used to doing it this way, then guess what happens? You're, you're now building that process and not just, okay, this is an assignment. How fast can I get it done? It's turned in, yeah. it's done, but writing is a process and I'm constantly adapting and revising and, and making it better, which is really what you, you want good writers to do. And it becomes independent now. I mean, essentially you have somebody proofreading your work without having to ask somebody to proofread your work. Right now, you know, the other thing that, that I think about with that too. So I, I used, um, oh, I probably spent maybe an hour or two working with this and, and then looking at, is this worth presenting to our teachers? I would be interested to see 
the accuracy of the feedback on like a myriad of topics over like, you know, you start using this with, you know, three or four classes a day, A days, B days. And, you know, are we going to start getting into some inaccuracies, some bias, you know, what they call hallucinations where the AI kind of goes off the rails. So that's, you know, something to still kind of consider, but so far, so far I've only seen, we had a situation where I was presenting these um, personalized chat bots to the math department. And I had one, one particular teacher who decided they were going to do everything they could to kind of break the spirit of the, of the chat bot. (laughs) And, and eventually it was funny because what the chat bot will do is every time you try to go off topic, it'll try to like, in a positive manner direct you back to to the original topic but finally this uh this person was so like belligerent and trying to get off task that the chatbot's like fine what do you want to talk about and he said i'd like to talk about food and then they started going back and forth about cooking and stuff and (laughs) and and the prompt that it was given was was the idea of uh of uh solving equations or something like that but anyway that that's going to be something to kind of keep in mind the more the longer this goes and the more in depth that we start to use these tools because obviously all of these things are are relatively new but what i've been telling our teachers at mckinley also is keep in mind that you got an advantage here if you're an early adopter of this stuff you got an advantage over everybody else because there's that element of novelty and the newness of it and once we all start piling in on this you're going to lose that so you got to jump on this quick to get that Absolutely. I mean, we, we see it with just about anything that we implement. Well, I tell you, Alan, after this, uh, talking about some of these sessions that are coming up, I am really excited about the next couple of days and looking forward to diving into some of these. I'm very sorry that you're going to be stuck at school and just in the, <laughs> in the regular routine. Uh, but here's to uh, here's to hopefully a great conference and some some good ideas that are going to further our tech integration uh, in our building. And also the most important thing, uh, you know, further develop the learning that the students uh, get an opportunity to to take part in and, and hopefully give them a little bit more motivation as well. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm a little envious, but I do hope you enjoy your uh, your couple of days. I hope you gain something and look forward to talking through some of this on our next episode. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, we hope you've gained some ideas from this episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and write us a review. You can find all episodes of Teaching in Tech with Alan and Chad on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.